MJ here, your podcast host. This is the show where we talk about all things life, struggles, and trauma. Only full transparency, no filters, and no judgment because nobody cares. This episode contains details of pedophilia that may be triggering to some listeners. Remember that this show is all about trauma and healing from them, so please only proceed with this episode if you know you can handle it. Hi, everybody. I'm back after a hundred years. I've been having so much trouble uploading the last episode that we figured we would just re-record it and kind of try to cover the same grounds and remember what we talked about because it's what been three weeks so wife is um here again with me hi guys um so i guess we'll start with our faves and fails for the last three weeks go for it babe so my fail is I'm still sick. I'm still struggling with this cough. It's not as bad. I uh, got a chest x-ray. Still don't know why I'm coughing. It's getting to the point where I'm like super annoyed with myself. And so is everyone around me. Same. <laughs> and my fave has been reconnecting with the wifey. It's been kind of a roller coaster the last couple months months yeah and um it's been kind of nice to just chill and not feel pressure and just kind of hang out and be with you my fave and fail for the last few weeks kind of goes hand in hand obviously it was different from when we recorded it right but reflecting back on the last few weeks my fail is that i have been emotionally unreachable and mentally exhausted i feel like i've i have a lot on my plate that i'm just carrying on my own and it's like transpiring into my physicality and my relationships so much so that i just like took a day off i literally canceled my whole day rescheduled clients which i absolutely hate doing because i feel super guilty but the fave comes with that because I was able to just kind of take a day off and stay in bed literally I stayed in bed all day and cried for hours and then I made a TikTok so still working and productive at the same time while trying to be lazy and yeah I mean she's not wrong it has been a roller coaster emotionally speaking lesson learned though um I will not ever stop taking my meds honestly I feel like that's what started it I was just like you know I'm fine I don't need these crazy pills turns out don't stop taking your drugs because it'll just throw you for a loop I just want to start off by saying so many people have been asking where the next episode is and you guys when I tell you I have tried every day for the last three weeks to upload this damn file it just would not and I don't know if it was software or a device or an MJ problem, but it was just not working out. And the the uh, pressure 
was flattering but also stressful because so many so many people were like when's the next episode gonna come even um my mama figure was like so i haven't heard the next episode what's going on yeah for sure i think even me i'm like are we gonna keep doing this this was fun what's going on what do we need do we need to buy another mic do we just need a new laptop and just throw everything away what's going on like come on let's get this thing out so and was like was it just a phase or <laughs> i was like you don't understand it's just not and it sucked too because our last episode that i uploaded was like really meaty yeah it was really good so we'll try and cover that content again and uh hopefully we do it justice and even the last episode that was uploaded i felt like i left everybody on a cliffhanger you know it was when we talked about the molestation and all that and unfortunately the story doesn't get better yet. Okay, so just a small refresher, because it's been a couple weeks. We kind of left the story off where your parents knew about somebody in your family doing things to you that was completely inappropriate and probably should have landed him in jail, but nothing was done. And your parents knew at this point that you were gay that you had an interest in women and that wasn't something that was okay in the household wasn't okay with the mormon church just was it okay so what happened we've been waiting for three weeks like where does the story go from there bitch you know what happened So basically, the gayness was out. The molesting was never talked about again until like years later. And at this point, I was very depressed. I just fell into a super deep depression. And I was um, I was pretty suicidal. And I was 16 now. And um, I had no interest in school. And it went into... This whole thing where my parents were like, there's monitors at school, don't you dare, we're going to find out, right? And I don't remember if I just refused to go to school, if I was taken out of school, but I um, ended up doing packets. They have this thing at it, that school I went to. They have this program where you do packets at school and at home. And... It's basically like a GED program. Um, and that was your school, but you spent part of your time at home and part of your time at school, and you only went in like twice a week. So I was basically back to being homeschooled. And because of that, I spent a lot of time on the computer again. Phones, my phone was obviously taken away. I, I didn't have a phone. And so I found the magical land of Facebook again. And I started making friends and catfishing people not one of my proudest moments in life but my name was tanya on facebook it was my alter ego oh hey tanya (laughs) so what was tanya doing and how are you getting um your facebook time in because it sounded like you're pretty much a prisoner at this point you're you're locked down you're being monitored you're not going to school um so you're home full-time 
Are you like cooking at this point? Are you cleaning? Are you just doing chores? Are you raising the kids? Like what what's your role? All of the above. I was still doing everything. And Facebook was my escape. So there was like no acknowledging the mental health whatsoever. I was still just this fuck up kid that was just doing shit to get attention. There was no acknowledgement of everything that went on with a family member and the homosexuality. I mean, the homosexuality was a topic at home. Like, if you guys aren't familiar with the Mormon church, uh, Google Ruby Frankie. Yeah, I was just about to say. So that, that's been like a super hot topic. And um, I'm super into documentaries, so I love watching all things. It doesn't matter what it is. And it just so happens that, like, 58% of the documentaries I watch have to do with the Mormon church. It's insane how... And let me backtrack just a little bit because there's some really cool people that I've met in the Mormon community. And we've housed the young men that come and that ride their bikes and cars and preach the word. They're super cool. But, like, it's insane to see how many crazy stories come out of the Mormon church and how people treat their kids, how they just react to certain things that I think in our house are okay. Like, it's okay if you spill a glass of milk. Or, you know, it's it's just okay. You don't finish your food. I don't know. But if you guys get really bored... Go look up that whole story with Ruby Frank. That's just that's just insane. But it really reminds me of what you went through. Like, you can't eat until the chores are done. Like, I don't know if it was that extreme in your house, but... I couldn't go to bed until the dishes were done. That was the one rule in the house. No matter what time it was, if my parents had a party that ended until, like, midnight, one in the morning, I could not go to bed until the kitchen was clean and the sink was empty. That was... That was the number one rule that I had to live by. It didn't matter if everybody else was sleeping. If the dishes were not done, I couldn't go to sleep. So I was still doing all of these things all the while being in an emotional turmoil within me. And Facebook was kind of my escape. Like I built this completely different persona, fully opposite from who I was in real life. I was 16 in real life. I was 18 on Facebook. I was this Mormon, Molly Mormon girl in real life. And I was this emo kid with nose piercings on Facebook with the emo hair and the teased hair and the long black extensions with the heavy eyeliner. Like literally, I Googled pretty girls and the first one that popped up was my profile picture on Facebook. That's so crazy. It's so cringe is what it is. And um, I was like heavy on the the gayness. Like I was convinced that I, I liked girls. That was just it. I just always liked girls after dating one girl, right? And um, that was a big topic in our whole household. It's just not was not allowed. I was going to go to hell. I was never going to have... A, a happy marriage. God was never going to bless me. I was never going to be a mom. I was never going to go out and do all of these things because I was going to set out and live my life in sin in the eyes of 
the Mormon church. And that fucked with me even more because now I was super conflicted, like, oh my God, I'm going to live a miserable life, but this is how I feel. So what am I going to do? Absolutely. I'm still stuck on the idea that that is the biggest topic in the house. Like, I, I don't, I still don't get it. Like, how is that a bigger sin than what was, ha that happened to you? So do you guys just pick and choose what we decide is a sin and what's not a sin? Or is it just like, or is molestation not a topic in the Mormon Bible or book? Or I, like, I don't even know if I'm saying the right term. I think that it was just a denial thing. There is just absolutely no way this person could do it. I know this person. I've known him my whole life. He was, he's a good person and he's got a kind heart and he's just all of these things. There's no way he would have ever done that to you was what the conversation was. So it's easier to throw assaults on your wounds and what you were doing than to reflect and put light on what others had done. Right. Because you just weren't like part of that circle because i was a fuck up kid and i was just asking for attention forgot you that's what it was so um when all of the molesting was put to rest or shoved under the rug i continued to live my facebook reality life and um i was just adding a bunch of strangers on facebook and again, like, keep in mind throughout this whole story, my mental state was not stable. I was very suicidal. I tried to off myself a couple of times during this time. Um, and I was just having, like, all these suicidal fantasies and ideations, and it was really scary. But I would get on Facebook, and I had friends, air quotes, that... I guess brought happiness or fake happiness into my life and I thought was my escape and I thought were my real friends. Like I could count on them even though I didn't know any of them. And I was just adding a bunch of adults on Facebook and to the point where I literally went into the Facebook search bar and was like lesbians. Like I literally just typed lesbians and I clicked search. And the first person that popped up was DJ Crush. The name, the profile name was DJ Crush. And she was your typical stereotype butch lesbian. Like she had at that time, what was it like 2011, 2011, she had the spiky hair and the boobs with tight, um, what are those tank tops called? Wife beaters? Oh man. Wife beater. Yeah. Yeah. The plaid shirt. On top, that was her uh, her profile picture. She have a seashell necklace too. She did have a seashell necklace. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the how. Part. How do you know? You know what? I was too cool for school. Really, <laughs> I had long hair too. So, you know, but yeah, I know which ones you're talking about. She had, she had a lip piercing, didn't she? She had a lip piercing, the snake bite piercing, solid. And she had uh, spiky hair. She had spiky hair. Oh my god. And that's like standard textbook lesbian. Let's be honest. You picked a good one. Elwood's dad. Yeah. She had um the 
the dangle earrings, the little hoop earrings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I added her because I was like, oh, she's gay. And at that time, I was like, whatever. Also, I was 16. She was she was not good looking. Um, and we I feel like I messaged her first or she messaged me first. I don't even know how it went down. But fast forward, we essentially had a relationship online. Was there like distance between you guys? Yeah, 100%. She was from a completely different state. Wow. So this was just total catfishing. Total catfishing. If you guys have ever seen catfish, I was the catfisher. Except my catfishing sent people to jail. Let's talk more about that. I want to hear that story. Well, she was a full-grown adult, and I was in—I was sixteen. But because Tanya was eighteen, I was eighteen. Okay, hold on, hold on. But you're saying she was a full-grown adult, and you were eighteen on your profile. So, like, what's the adult age that we're talking about? She was thirty-five. Okay, there's already red flags there. Thirty-five and eighteen. Just to set the stage. So she knew you were 18, quote unquote. And she's 35. And you guys are now in a full-blown virtual Facebook relationship. So you're sending each other... Are there even emojis at this time? No. There is. Nope. Just messaging back and forth. Yes. Okay. And, And what about your parents? Where are they... My parents had their own routine daily, and I thought I was so slick, which I was. Really? At the time. Okay. I would wait till they went to bed or if they were at work. I was, you had to remember, I was at home, and both parents went to work full time, and I was at home with the kids. And so during the day, you know, I had full access to the computer. And after hours, and then when they would go to bed, I would just, like, stand outside the door, and if I heard two different snores, the coast was clear. So I would go downstairs, turn on the PC, because it was still the PC. We didn't have MacBooks yet. Or the Mac desktop. And I would go downstairs and stay up all hours of the night and talk to her. And we used... I didn't have a phone, so we used Gmail. You know, back then, Gmail had the text feature. Mm Mm-hmm. And she gave me her number, so I would use Gmail to text her back and forth. And it was less suspicious for me to have my Gmail account open because that's how the school would send links and stuff to me. It was through my personal Gmail versus having Facebook open because my parents caught me on Facebook before. So I would just use Gmail to to talk to her all day long and in the evenings. And... um. It developed into this long-distance relationship. It was no longer just virtual on Facebook. It was also like phone calls and like throughout the day. And she would just call our landline because I couldn't make long-distance landline calls. But she had a phone, so she would call our phone and it was a landline. And I would talk to her well, when the coast was clear. Like late at night and during the day and so you found like a friend too you got to finally talk to someone because i found another 
16 sophomore girlfriend in choir, basically. That makes sense. I mean, you really have an outlet, so it's understandable why you're sneaking around again and doing all of these things because you didn't have that freedom to do anything without being micromanaged or told how to do it or that you were doing it wrong. So you found this girl and you guys were talking. Then what happened? It just felt like it was a, um, I was like a puppy with a shock collar. And every little thing that I did that wasn't okay or was outside the rule book, like I would get shocked back into reality. And so I was always that dog that was like trying to jump over the fence. And every time it would like come fucking pulling me back, you know? So, um, at some point, too, I was hopping from neighbor's house to another neighbor's house, so much so that I was taken in by a family completely outside of our town. Like, I stayed with them for a week or two. Like, I just was so hell-bent on not being in that house. And um, it's so funny because we just watched the Ruby Frankie documentary, and the niece was being interviewed, and she was saying all of these things about how she was treated, and I was just like... My situation wasn't to that extreme, but I completely related to a lot of the things that she said because I was in conflict with myself. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to hell because this is what I've been taught my whole life and this is not okay. But also, this is how I'm feeling. And so there was just absolutely no regard for my well-being mentally and emotionally. Yeah, I wasn't really fully getting abused physically, but there was mentally and emotionally like I was ready to not be here and I tried to take that into my own hands a handful of times and so like one day I was like you know what I'm not I'm not going to I'm not gonna let them win and I'm not gonna let them um be the decision makers of what my future is going to be and I will not be taken out of this house in a stretcher I, I'm going to get out of this house alive and I'm going to go have my own happy ending, which is what they said I wasn't going to have. And so I ran away. I ran away. And I used ex-girlfriend as a resource. And on one of the days that I um, went to the school, I saw her and I talked to her for a little bit and I told her like, hey... I want to run away. Do you think you can help me find a place to stay? Like, do you think I can stay with you? And she was like, well, you can stay with me, but I have somewhere you can stay. And so we devised this plan that she was going to come to my house. My be- my parents go to bed at this time. I need you to come at this time to make sure that they're fully asleep. And then I'm going to sneak out and you're going to take me to wherever you're going to take me. Where did that, how did that plan actually work out? Oh, it worked out great. I told you I was super slick. <laughs> she came at my house, I don't know, one time, I think like 11, 11.30, midnight, something like that. I wrote a note, a goodbye note. I don't remember everything I said, but it was along the lines of, I'm so sorry that I brought this much um, like problems into your life and you just are better off without me. And I'm sorry that I'm so hard to love and I'm just such a headache. Like everything that I felt and I was just like, I love you, mom. And I'm sorry for everything. 
And I hope that me being gone is better for everybody. So you're like basically apologizing for everything you felt you've done, everything that you were doing, and kind of telling them like, hey guys, I can feel the tension that I'm not welcomed here anymore and it's just time for me to move on. And you're 16, right? It's a confusing age. It's not feeling loved and not being loved. Like, why even be around here? Oh, it's it's the worst fucking age to not feel loved. I will say that from pure experience. Like, at 16, 15, from the time you're 13 to the time that you move out, life is fucking hard, man. And I know it's really easy to dog on the teenagers and there's such a stigma around teenage years that they're so difficult and they're so this, but... If you try to remember to your days when you were a teenager, whatever um, time or era you grew up in, whether it was in the 80s or the 90s, whether you were allowed to feel things out loud or speak your mind vocally or that was just something that you didn't talk about in your household, internally, like, try to remember being 16 and feeling like, fuck, you know, like, it shit's hard. And I grew up in a house where I wasn't allowed to really just be heard or talk about my feelings. So, yeah, I was just done. And especially everything that's happened leading up to this point of me running away and no accountability being taken and the person just still out there running around free. It was really shitty. I felt like nobody had my back and nobody was there. The people that were supposed to protect me didn't really protect me and in turn used um the principles of the organized religion to try and shape me into what they wanted me to be versus just adjusting the parenting to how I actually was as a kid and I feel like that's something that I don't ever want to struggle with with my kids because our kids have their our kids have their personalities you adjust your parenting to the kid you don't parent fucking kids the same way you know like to deviate a little bit sister she's very emotionally raw and and brother he doesn't really give a fuck and they came from the same person and are completely two different kids and so I wish that I had parents that were like dang this is what she needs she's doing this because she needs this so this is what we need to give her and that's not at all what was happening and it was like the word of God was used against me instead of just, I don't know, loving me. Yeah. I think it's just the the views and the time period. And I mean, now knowing what we know, it's kind of hard to say they, they knew better because I don't think they did. I don't, I think that's something that they grew up and we're just grateful that we can see that the patterns of verbal and mental abuse exist and that we can break that cycle. And that's a beautiful thing that we're able to distinguish what has happened to us and what we don't want to happen to us and how we can change that pattern. And I'm not saying that we're perfect parents because God, sometimes it's hard and Paul doesn't want to go to sleep or Seifel is super emotional, but I can definitely see the way we parent each child is 
kind of tailored to just their needs. Like, Paul will whine and cry and complain because he wants to sleep with us in our bed. And I'm totally against that. But, like, sometimes he just has to win. Sometimes he just wants to be held and he wants that time with you. And Cybelle's the same way. Like, she'll cry and ask us questions about her dad. And I'm not really an emotional person. But, man, sometimes that little girl makes me cry. And we just cry together. And I hold her. And I let her feel all of those things. And she can express to us how much she misses her dad. And how much she wishes he was here. And that's cool that we get to experience that. But you said it perfect. Like, it's very different. And we don't know... We don't know how my parents were raised. I know how I was raised and you know how you were raised. And even that is very different and dynamic, right? Like you grew up having everything but time yeah, with your parents. I grew up with not having time and not having opportunities and activities and no outlets. You grew up with sports and outlets and all the things and hanging out and partying and the expensive cleats and the expensive bats and the fancy backpacks because both of your parents yeah they were willing to do that for sure but it also came with its own sacrifices you know like my dad was always gone my mom was always working and that poor lady had such a tight schedule that she didn't even have time to breathe and so that pressure was always felt like we had to be somewhere at a certain time on time right but because of that the compromises were something that you subconsciously didn't really know affected you Mm -hmm. and now as us parenting our babies she's very like providing mindset because she's just like her dad she's very like i'm gonna go work and make all this money so that you guys can have everything that you need and you guys can have all the nice things and meanwhile i grew up without a mental and emotional care so I'm all about I need to give my kids the mental and emotional everything that they need so I'm very and I'm very like yeah baby let me hold you for five minutes yeah you can lay you can cuddle for five minutes like when I see him in tears we talk about this because this is the thing we're struggling right now with brother he's just like needs all the love at night when the sun goes down he's just delirious and tired and just needs mommy cuddles and so she gets bothered because she's like, it's my time with you. And I'm like, I know, but look, he's sad and he just needs some love and that's okay. And he's going to go to bed and he's going to fall asleep and then you can have time with me. But for her, it's very like, it's fine. They're fine. They're fine. They have everything they need. They have a roof over their head and they have all these toys and they get whatever they need. They don't need to cuddle you for five minutes in my bed with you. And I get it. And we butt heads a little bit when it comes to, you know, loving the kids because the love that we give them is very different versions because we were given love very differently. And that's okay because look at us talking about it now and dissecting it and being grownups. Who the fuck are we? I'm so proud of us. This is a half What? There are a lot of things. Are we on the same page for once? Yeah, relish this moment. Oh my God, it's going to snow this Christmas. Anyway, so I ran away and um, ex-girlfriend took me to her house for the night. And then she went to school the next day. And it was so cute. She left me a little note on my door. She was like, help yourself to whatever. It was so cute. And 
I'm not even going to lie. 16-year-old me was like, oh, my God, we're probably going to get back together and live happily ever after. Didn't happen. She moved on quickly. Anyway, she comes home and she was like, uh, your parents came to the school. And there were cops there. And then? And your parents were convinced that I knew where you were. Did she rat you out? She did not rat me out. Solid. <laughs> she held her end of the deal. I mean, there wasn't really a deal, but she was just like, I don't know where she is. I don't know where she is. I, I don't know. I don't know why you guys think I know. Totally respect that. <laughs> That's cool. So she came home after school and then she drove me like two hours out of town, dropped me off to her friend's house, which was complete strangers to me. I had no idea. I'd never met them before. And they were like, she was like, you can stay here. And they let me stay there. And it was thinking back now. I can't believe I fucking did that. I stayed there for about four days, four or five days. So you're you're a missing child. Oh, I was missing. No, but like in the eyes of the law, you're a missing child. Like, no, but like I was missing. <laughs> that's crazy. I was missing. There was a missing child report. Is there a poster of you? I don't know. Do they put posters out? I don't think so. That'd be a really cool question. I don't, I don't think they care like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious. Like, you're literally missing and you're 16, so that's kind of a big deal. I was missing. There were detectives um, involved. FBI was called. And there was um, a nationwide the thief, Amber Alert. I don't think Amber Alert. Like, no, but, like, nationwide. Yeah, there was. I was in the system. There was a missing child. Yeah. And um, during this whole time, I still had contact with DJ Crush. We were still in a relationship. We would still talk. I would borrow these people's cell phones to talk to her. It was pathetic and absolutely scary. Like I could have been abducted and raped and left on the side of the road behind a dumpster. But you don't think about that at 16. I don't. You don't think about that at 16. You think that you just know everything and you're the smartest person in the whole world and you know what's best for you at 16. Yeah. So I told her, look, shit hit the fan. I moved out air quotes uh come get me we can uh live together and carry on this relationship and she was like oh oh okay let me get some let me get some business together let me get some cash let me rent let me rent a vehicle get some time off from my job and uh give me a couple days and i'll be there i'm gonna come get you okay so this adult needed to rent a car and get some cash together. And sounds like she has a job. So does she have like an apartment or what was the plan? I have no idea. You don't know? I don't know. Oof. So she couldn't just like get up and go. She had to like get funds together. Yeah. And, okay. Clearly she didn't have her shit together. No, like... it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> This is a great plan here. You have to love. <laughs> great plan. Babe, these plans brought me to you. So what's the problem? Yeah, I know. You know what? Every step of this story brings her to her happy ending, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. We're getting to the good parts. <laughs> so then when she got her funds together, she was like, all right, I have a date. I'm going to drive out this time, and I'll be there at this time. So I was like, oh, okay, great. One more thing. I'm 16. Oh, you told her. <laughs> I told her. So she turned around, right? Oh, no, she came. So she knows you're 16 now. Um, mm -hmm. She didn't, like, ask questions if your parents knew where you were at? No. So the cat's out of the bag. I told her, like, this is what happened. Like, I was being abused at home. And I, I specifically used the word abuse. Because I didn't want her to change her mind. Mm. Like, I was convinced that this was my person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. And she was going to take good care of me. And I was going to be free from whatever was going on at home. And uh, she came. She came. And she pulled in at, like, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, it was pretty late. Super dark. And she's like, I'm outside. And I was like, oh, my God. We were meeting for the first time. That's freaking crazy. I can't believe she showed up after knowing your age and knowing her age. So we're talking like over 16-year gaps. I don't think my math is right, but it's pretty no. close. It's it's over 16 oh, years. Over 16. <sighs> okay, so, yeah, this is a so, so she, she made a real life decision. She did. I made, made a real life woman. woman to come pick you up. And I'm old. Also legal in all 50 states, I think, except for Alabama. What? Yeah, I think yeah, you can marry at 16 and be overage in Alabama. I'm not sure. You can fact check me, but yeah. Don't be getting mugged. My podcast demonetized before it's monetized i don't know i'm just saying it's it's not legal that's that's not legal so she picks you up it's 11 o'clock at night we meet for the first time was it everything you wanted it to be it was not at all everything i wanted it to be but you, you needed to get out but i just needed to get out okay so what happens after that so uh i pack all my shit in my little backpack i didn't have a lot of belongings that meant anything to me and um i get in this little van that she rented and we drive off into the moonlight. I would say sunset, but it was in the middle of night. And on the, our way out, we stopped at a gas station, which had cameras. <laughs> and um, we were getting snacky snacks and energy drinks and all these things. And the whole time, we were just trying to feel each other out. And I was very flirty and very cringe and very inappropriate like she was just like i can't believe that i'm with you and she was giving me the googly eyes and i was giving you into <laughs> and um we get our snacks and we get in the van and right outside of that gas station parking lot we we did things that we should not have done and there's cameras things were done in that parking lot that 
should not have been going on between a 35 and a 16 year old people yeah okay i think we all get it right yeah you get it i totally get it so uh we do that and then we continue driving and i just fell asleep i fell asleep and i was slept until the sun was up and i wake up and i'm like oh my god where are we and next thing you know we were in nevada and so you've crossed a couple state lines now we crossed um two we crossed two we crossed colorado and nevada we were headed to oregon that's a long trip it was a very long trip wow she drove a long way for you drove 18 hours for me Jeez. okay so we're in nevada and then what happens so um we didn't have apple maps and we didn't have a you know google maps or anything like that back in the day so she took a wrong turn. We were doing gross things while she was driving, which caused her to speed. And so she was speeding. And on top of that, took a wrong turn. And we passed a cop car. And obviously, you know, she was going 90 in a fucking 65 or something like that. And rightfully so, we got pulled over. And when I tell you, my heart dropped to my asshole. But a part of me really genuinely believed that we were going to get out of it. Like, I was like, oh, it's just going to be a speeding warning. And we're going to go and live the rest of our lives together. I mean, I would imagine so. It's just a speeding ticket. Like, a lot of those, and so do you. First of all, I don't. Okay, anyway, so... Then what? You get pulled over. Um, it's a state trooper, right? You're on the highway. Those guys are... No, it was... Uh... Yeah. I... Does it really matter? Yeah, I mean, state troopers are a little more aggressive. And... I feel like it was a, a cop. It, was, no, it wasn't a state trooper. Okay. It had it had alcohol on the... On the... Oh, so it was like a little tone. Yeah. Okay. And... um. Of course, routine, right? License and registration, please. Driver's license. And I was like, I had a school ID. You took your school ID <laughs> with you? What? I needed identification. <laughs> it just has your name and the school you went to. Anyway, this officer asked for all of these documentations. And then he talks to me and he's like, I need your, I need your ID. And I was like, I don't have an ID. Yeah, that's kind of fishy. Right? And he, I was, and my dumbass was like, I have a school ID. Oh my God. <laughs> then we were fucked after. Yeah, but this didn't know anything better. I didn't. I didn't. I was so sheltered. I didn't know how to drive. I didn't even have a permit. Like I, I, I never dealt with a cop before. You should have just spoke Tagalog or something oh, really confused yeah. everyone like butchered it first of all I know I just I didn't know and um so I I I gave him a fake name and your school ID no I didn't I'm just oh, okay. my school ID yet but I gave him a fake name he asked for my my name because he was like give me your name I'll type it into the system because you don't have a driver's license and I, I gave him a fake name and it didn't come back obviously and after that was when he insisted, you know, but at this point already, cops are trained to 
identify weird stuff. Um, symptoms, not symptoms, I guess, telltale signs of weird stuff going on. I mean, it's all kind of weird. Like, you have me thinking the way I think, all the documentaries I watch. You have a bed that's rented, and someone from Oregon, and you're in Nevada, and you probably don't look like you're over 18. I mean, guys, I'm 28, and people are like, yeah, so it, just the whole thing, I can see where he was like, red flag, red flag, red flag, yes, red flag. For sure. And you're really old. Super... And then you're foreign, like. <laughs> what does that mean? That has a lot to do with it. This person was, you know, American and you're not. So that just all looks really weird. Now thinking of it and knowing what we know and like, Human trafficking and all that. Like, I could see where he was a little Human concerned. trafficking wasn't really a big deal. That's always been a thing. Always. Yes. But because Ashton Kutcher talked about it now. He's... Yeah. Anyway. Um, I didn't have anything to show him. So I finally, I was getting really fucking scared. He had me at the front of the car by the headlights of the car. And, and then, like, another cop car pulled up. He called for backup. And the backup had DJ Crush at the bump, like all the way behind the vehicle that we were in by the cop cars. And um, he was interrogating me and asking me what was going on and who I really was and what were, what our relationship was. I feel like I remember saying she was my aunt. And now that you point out that I'm foreign, that was that did not fly. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense with anybody. And next thing I know, they had me go back into the vehicle. I was in the passenger seat and I look out the side mirror and I watch them handcuff her and throw her in the back of the cop car and I never saw her again. What happened next? They have to know you're like missing child friend because you're in the system. Did you tell them your name? I finally told them my name. Like your full real name. Like my real name. And you gave him your school ID. And I gave him my school oh, ID. Oh, yeah, you're screwed, so. And sure enough, the, I think the cop also was, he went back to his computer and he was like, you are missing. And I was like, I pled my case to him like I never pled anything before. What'd you tell him? Please don't send her to prison. Don't send her to jail. She was just trying to help me out. I, I'm being emotionally and mentally abused at home. I would really rather not go back home. She doesn't. She didn't do anything wrong. It was very textbook adult and child relationship, inappropriate relationship. It was very like, no, they didn't do it. It was consensual. I, it's, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, and um, they didn't buy any of it. They took me to juvie, and I was detained for, I think, 24 hours. And during my detention at the juvenile, they had me in this room, in, like, a conference room with a bunch of people. They had CPS there. They had foster people there. They had all these people. I don't even know what the fuck they were. And I remember talking to this black lady... And she was very nice. She was very... She, also, I know they were trained to talk to victims like that. 
Yeah, they're trying to get the story. To pry it out of you. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to protect her and not say that we did anything, that it was inappropriate or anything like that. But she got me, man. And I told her and I was like, but it wasn't rape. It wasn't forcible sodomy. It wasn't any of that. Like, I I let her. But because I was 16 and the eyes of the law, it's invalid. And so it stopped being about her, even though I was like a wreck. I was a hot mess. I was like, what's going to happen to her? She didn't do anything wrong. Please let her free. Like, I just want to see her. I just want to talk to her because I was in love with this woman, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it became about me begging these people to put me into the foster system. So you you, you didn't want to go home. I did not want to go. I wouldn't want to go home either. I didn't want to go home. And I told them, please just put me in foster care. I just want to be in foster care. I Can I live with you? I'll live with you. I'll wash your dishes. I'll do all the chores. I'm really good at that. Like, I Did you really tell her that? I told this lady this. So that they should have been super concerned. Like you're literally begging to go right did you go home they called my parents and 12 hours later my parents made the eight hour 10 hour drive to elko nevada and picked me up and before i got in the car did they get interviewed before they got to get you or did they just um, kind of pick you up i think so they interviewed they had to because of the story that i was saying but i was portrayed to be a fuck-up kid as a runaway child who just is needing, she's distraught, she's mentally unstable, she just needs to come home, she's gay, she's, I don't know exactly what was said, but the lady came up to me before she handed me off to my parents and was like, listen, I can't put you in foster care, there's no evidence of physical abuse, you just need to make what's best of it, you have two years until you're an adult and you can get out of there, just make the best of it for the next two years, you can't be in foster care. And they sent me home. Eight hours. Eight hours. Eight to ten hours in the car with all of my whole family, all the kids and my parents. They took the kids? They took the kids. How was that car ride? I didn't say a damn word. I didn't say a damn word. I cried the whole time and I slept and I cried and I slept and... I didn't talk to anybody. They were trying to talk to me. I didn't say shit. And that whole drive home, I was like, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, they're like dragging you back to the place that you left. You kind of almost got out, but that didn't last very long. How long were you out from the day you ran away to the day you were back? Was it like a week? I would say a week. A week. Like I was missing, missing. It's crazy. That's heavy. Super crazy story. I think that's a really good spot to end it on. Another cliffhanger, guys. It's not going to be three weeks this time, I promise. I don't know. (laughs) Just kidding. So the question is, who is at fault? Knowing the whole story, the whole background of my home life and my mental state and the disregard and the lack of love and care and me finding love somewhere else and this person trying to be the superhero and me catfishing, who was at fault? Regardless of 
the catfishing and all of that. At the end of the day, I truly feel that the relationship was inappropriate from day one. You were 18, supposedly, and this person was well in her 30s. Um, that's just really weird to begin with. Um, mentally, like, I mean, I'm in my 30s. I could not imagine backtracking and finding someone 18 like that's just wild to me the entrants are very different um so this person kind of sounded a little emotionally unstable so my my hands are going towards that avenue um you told her at some point that you were 16 i think there was so many opportunities for this individual to make a decision to stop to not drive that drive to not get that banned to not pull out the funds um i i just don't see how that was your fault do you still blame yourself so just for like to wrap it up right she was sent to prison obviously she was charged with um forcible sodomy which is first degree forcible sexual abuse second degree and she was also charged with kidnapping because i was a minor taken across two state lines she uh spent or she was the verdict was 10 to life in prison um i think she was in for 15 she just got out I think two years ago, um, I got a really beautiful letter from her apologizing and she just said a lot of nice things and she apologized for what was done and the damage that was caused. And I appreciated that. I, I didn't even know that she owed me an apology because from the time that I had to put that to rest, which was right away when I was taken home, to the time that I got her letter, I blamed myself. Yes, 100%. I was like, man, this woman lost 15 years of her life that she's never going to get back because of that 16-year-old girl that just needed out. And I hate that I fucked somebody's life. Like, I literally... I sent her to prison and I get it in the eyes of the law. I guess it's very different because in the Philippines, it's just not how it works. So here, like there's no such thing as 16 and 35 and 18. You're an adult and like that's not that's not where I come from. But here, I guess it is. And so for me, it sucks because I feel bad and I feel like I've carried that guilt as somebody else's life. Like she's well into her 50s, maybe almost 60. I don't know. Because she was 35 at the time. So maybe 40, 40, late 40s. And she looks like she's transformed her life. This is all public information. So if you're curious, you can Google it. But I don't know. It's It doesn't feel good to know that I caused someone that. That my... My demise of somebody else's demise. You know? Yeah, I know, but life is full of decisions and we make them every single day. And 
I think you decided to run away and you decided that that was where you were going to go. And you also decided to be honest along the way, which you've always been really honest, whether it's good or bad. I mean, you told her. I think not. And that's kind of tough, like, to see you struggle with that still. Because in my head, I'm like, but you told her and she could have just not dried, like, the first hour, the second hour, like she had so much time to think about. But I don't think about it, right? Say that she did turn around. The alternative to that would hurt would have been her not coming to get me and me ended up being home, either going home because I couldn't survive on my own and I couldn't live there forever at those people's house or I would have been homeless. And Either way, I would have ended up offing myself because I was already at that point in my life where I just had nothing to lose at 16. Mm -hmm. And now as a grown woman, I get it. I get it 100%. Not just as a 28-year-old, but as a mom. Like if my daughter at 16, oh my God, I could, I could not even imagine like... You're 100% right. It was an adult decision that she made. And I was a kid that would be like our niece and a 35 year old. Mm -hmm. And it, when I think of it that way, yeah. And especially as the case progressed, they found out that she had drugs in the vehicle. She had um, a tranquilizer kind of drug. What? That just got so wild. I've never heard of that part of the story. She had like a. It's like something that puts you down. Okay. So that could have really gone. Like you never know. I never would have known what happened. And I'm glad that I didn't have to find out. Yeah. Because there were drugs in the car that was meant to like take you out. Like a tranquilizer. What are those called? It's a tranquilizer. A sedative. A sedative. Yes. A sedative. Yeah. You just don't know. So maybe the story is supposed to play out. I mean, obviously. I'm all about doing what it needs to do so you can be where you need to be. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for caring enough to give us some of your time today. Subscribe, comment, leave a review, and share this with your loved ones that you know would enjoy it. Next week's episode... We'll be talking more about the Philippines. Follow to make sure you never miss an episode and go on with your day as your unapologetic, authentic self because literally nobody cares. Bye.